Hello, I'm Leanne Summers, and this is SEO in 2023, Additional Insights. Leanne, what's your additional insight for SEO in 2023? Well, my digital insight for SEO in 2023, David, is to actually focus on your brand narrative, educate Google about your brand narrative so that you could control it through the entire customer journey. Okay, so lots to unpack there. I'm drawn initially to narrative, brand narrative. How would you describe what a brand narrative is? A brand narrative is your story. So I suppose not your logo, not your brand, not your color palette, which is what most people associate a brand, but it's if I were the manufacturer of this pen, then I have, I have pen business, but how do I actually differentiate myself from the competition? What's special about what makes me different and why would you want to do business with my pen business? So your brand narrative is basically uh, providing a consistent message across the entire digital universe about who you are, what you do and who you serve why you do it better than anyone else. And a lot of people in our industry assume that a brand search is a navigational search. So you type in Facebook because you want to go to the Facebook page. People trust people. I'm a really firm believer in that. And, and if I were to meet you at a conference, for example, or I'm the pen manufacturer you meet at the conference, oh, I didn't mind that lady. I think I'll go and check her out. The first thing you do is you go to Google and Google their name. So if your brand narrative, which is your story, doesn't tell the story that you actually want or trade online, then potentially you have a problem. And I work uh, with Jason Barnard on this. Uh, he's the brand surf guy. You know, people throw around the word brand surf like it's always existed, but he invented it, he invented the Calicute process. I use the Calicute process with a lot of clients, works very, very well to actually create an entity home, to tell your story, to educate Google about who you are, what, what you do, who you serve, so that it makes Google's job easy because Google is a business, it's a brand, and it's a semantic search engine. So... Instead of matching keywords to keywords, you know, we move from, you know, from uh, strings to things a long, long time ago because its business model is, is very inefficient. When you think about the volume of links, it's got to crawl around and put into somewhere. So in two ways, you can control your brand narrative. And, and the reason I think it's important is because when people look you up, you want Google or Bing to tell the story that you want people to read and see about you rather than leave it to the algorithms. So as a copywriter as well, I'm fascinated by words and Google as a semantic search engine, its algorithms digest and absorb the information that we send to it or, or deliver to it in a certain way. Uh, it's all about, well, we know about the knowledge graph. Google's actually got Quite a large, you know, it's got a number of knowledge graphs, but that's a story for another day. So the end goal for me, really, in terms of controlling your brand narrative, is two pronged: is is following 
I guess, Jason's Caliqu process. Hello, Jason. Uh, and establishing in your entity home consistent message across all of your digital landscape, getting your information corroborated by third party so that there's this virtuous loop of information about you. So Google is slowly starting to develop a little bit of trust. So you've established your brand narrative and you've talked about a few other things that you can be doing there as well. A couple of times you've mentioned establish your entity home. Is that the key initial step that you need to establish as a way to go about educating Google about your brand? Yes. Well, I think the first thing that you need to do is actually establish who you are, who you serve and what you do and, you know, establish that message. For me, I'm actually starting my own personal experiment to demonstrate that any little itty bitty person, not just famous people, can actually influence their brand serve with Google and with Bing. So over the weekend, I created a brand new website with uh, a new domain name that I will use as my entity home, the about page on my entity home. Now, I can't tell Google this is my entity home, but what I can do is feed that information to Google through my about page and send it structured data or schema markup. And then corroborate that evidence through third-party sources, through making sure that all my social profiles, anything that I talk about on YouTube or whatnot, uh, is consistent. So that as Google, Google has a home base to consistently loop back to and say, oh, yes, that's what Leanne says on her entity home. That's what David says about Leanne and Majestic. Oh, that's what that trust pilot review says. That's what. And so it's a, a reaffirming virtuous loop, I suppose. So that would be the first thing I would do. The second thing would be obviously then to go across and out to your social media and change your description so that, you know, it's, it's in alignment with your brand and, and your brand, your brand narrative. And then it's about educating the algorithms with, I've just finished Corey uh, Gabor's uh, semantic SEO course on topical authority, which blew my mind. I've followed him around. I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a stalker, but I love the power of language and to actually unpack and learn about how the algorithms use semantics and natural language processing and, and their neural networks to actually decipher the meaning behind these funny little searches that where we put into the search engine because we become so lazy, we just type in any old thing and Google's got this very difficult job of trying to work out what the search context and intent is. So the other element of the controlling the brand serve is basically to position yourself as a topical authority in that space. And for me as a copywriter, whose job is not only to get pages ranking, but also to achieve click-throughs and sales. Once you uh, understand the power of the language and make it easy for Google to decipher what the user wants and produce the answer across the entire user journey, then Google's going to say, hey, thank you so much for making our job much easier because it costs us a lot of money to crawl a billion, you know, 
blue links a day or website links. We trust you. You've got your two eats sorted out. Uh, your website and everything that you've got on there takes this particular audience set through their customer journey. We can come to you as the authority. So we're going to put you and your website in our knowledge graph, our, our knowledge graph of facts, of entities and attributes and the values and the connections. And we're going to give you a knowledge panel, which is what turns up on the right-hand side if you do a search for a brand on desktop. And we're going to provide your brand SERP as our set of recommendations so you end up with the brand SERP that you want to. Um, and if you watch any of Jason's videos, you'll see that he's been, well, you'll know that he's been doing this for a long, long time. And when Google announced search generative experience being with Bing Chat and Bard, when you type in CaliCube, the brand narrative of CaliCube or what is the CaliCube process is already embedded in the generative AI result. I liked how you started off talking about that um, brand narrative in relation to how you appear on other websites as well. I mean, you gave Majestic as, as an example. Uh, if you did uh, have an article, for example, on Majestic.com and that linked back to you and the article talked about a specific subject matter, then that could enhance the perception of your brand or uh, the identity of your brand in the eyes of Google. Does that mean that if you, and, and I think many SEOs would probably be tempted to initially try to establish your brand identity on social media first of all, so I liked how you talked about uh, how you appear on other websites, but in relation to how you appear on other websites, if you're an SEO that wants to be known for a very specific niche, perhaps talking about brand um, as an example, would that mean that it would be a mistake to write an article for another website on another semi-related topic, such as maybe conversion rates or maybe another aspect of marketing? Uh, are you better off to ensure that the content that appears, not about you, but um, what you write about on other websites is definitively primarily related to what you do as a business? Or can you get away with being a, a little bit evolved in terms of what you write about, as long as if your author bio at the bottom summarizes what your brand does and what you do? Yes, is the answer. The primary focus, I think, from a commercial point of view, because I'm a very commercial person, is that if you're, if you're making money out of a particular niche and you want to continue making money out of that niche, then you want to become, an, become known across the industry and in Google and Bing's eyes as the expert on this particular topic. Having said that, for, it doesn't mean that you can't explore other topics that are related so, you know, Corey talks about, uh, you know, context and making sure that you're always connecting back to your source, source context. So my recommendation would be that you would guest post, for example, on a related website about either your core niche topic or something that relates to your core niche topic. If I was a brand SERP, SEO necessarily go and talk about, until I was well and truly established, I wouldn't necessarily go and talk uh, or do a guest blog post about something that I wasn't 
yet seen as as an authority because once Google gets confused uh, about your brand and what you who you are, what you do, and who you serve, it's very difficult to unconfuse it if that makes sense. Absolutely. So, so the goal is to control your narrative through the entire customer journey, and that makes sense from a brand perspective. But um, it can be challenging sometimes to measure the true financial impact from that. So, if you're doing that for a client and you're charging them for it, how do you justify the value of what you're doing? I guess the the easiest way is to look at your click-through rate for your brand name. So go straight into Google Search Console, see how many searches, see how many people have clicked through. That's the first port. The second really is once you build out your topical authority or you cover the entire customer journey. So for example, as a very quick example, in Vietnam where I live, I have a second business, which is a destination wedding planning business, and I'm a destination wedding celebrant, which means that from a brand perspective or from a customer journey perspective, people don't wake up in the morning and decide, oh, I'm going to go to Vietnam and get married. So there's an entire process there where they first might start with a search about, can I get married overseas? Where are the best places to get married overseas? Uh, Is the wedding legal? So the second part then is covering the entire customer journey, creating impressions across that entire customer journey, and then ultimately the click-through rate and transactions on the business. So yes, it's it's the brand SERP and the representation of the brand SERP. The, when you've got a perfect brand SERP, that's the result. When you've got a knowledge panel, that's the result. And I think that the absolute value in controlling your brand narrative, the reward and what people are paying for is the KGMID. That is Google's stamp of approval that says you have earned a place in our knowledge graph. You are no longer swimming in the great ocean of fish, twiddling around, hoping that we might pick up one random page of their website and serve it up in the search results. You are actually in our knowledge graph our fact knowledge graph, so your knowledge panel is Google's representation of the facts that it understands about your brand. And if you are an international business and you have a knowledge panel which is different to your Google business profile, that can have enormous impact because you then start to build it out, fill it with more rich features as you build out your connections and your relationships. So I do a guest blog for Majestic on brand search, link it back to my homepage or however it it works. I wouldn't link it back to my entity home because it's not about me, but I'm building my spider web. And I think it's, I can't remember her name now, it's terrible, but there's a famous, there's a saying in the United States where they talk about the six degrees of separation, you know, so Google building its knowledge graph is building out entities and, and attributes and values and properties. And so a lot of people tell, say, well, an entity is just the same as a, as a keyword, you know, it's just a different thing, but it's not, um, they're completely different, but it's even semantics. It's not about the entity. Isn't the important thing. Once you establish your entity, it's about filling out the attributes, the properties. So every, every entity has a property. So for me, if 
I'm able to trigger and populate a client's knowledge panel with their brand and then have a people also search with other people from the same industry who are in, in the same cohort, then in terms of the future generative AI, all of those things, you've hit the, I think for me, you've hit the jackpot because you are actually inside Google's brain, Bing's brain, and people, when they search for you, have got a one-stop shop and you're in the right spot. You're in the right position. You dominate the page. There's no one else on the page, basically. What does the M stand for in KGMID? I've got no idea. I've got no idea. <laughs> I think I don't know, Ben. Um, I do need to. I do need to Google it because it's um, you know it's the unique identifier. But it's I just don't the, the knowledge graph. I mean, no, no, knowledge graph identifier. Yes, but I, I didn't know what the M stood for. But. <laughs> I don't know either. Um, and I think it's a hangover from the early days where they called them something else. So, yeah, I'll, I'll find out and I'll email you, David. You've shared what SEO should be doing in 2023. Now let's talk about what SEO shouldn't be doing. So what's something that's seductive in terms of time, but ultimately counterproductive? What's something that SEO shouldn't be doing in 2023? Oh, I'm, going to, I'm going to get lots of enemies when I say this, but I wish people would stop talking about keywords and relying on tools to produce their SEO strategies and tactics and perhaps use their brains a little bit more. You know, let's just re-engage with our brains and start thinking about the world and, and people and humans and the kinds of things that they, sure, you can use uh, tools to sense check, to gut check, to make sure you're not going to go off into an area that is uh, not going to deliver you any any rewards, but continuing to talk about keywords is harking back to SEO ten years ago, uh, and we are now talking about semantics. We are now we're not talking about lexicon. We're not talking about matching this exact keyword with this exact keyword. We're talking about trying to help a bunch of algorithms understand the context and the meaning behind a query that people put into a search engine and as much information that you can wrap around the topic, the context, the attributes, the better because you're helping the search engine do what its brand does, which is build a set of search results that satisfies their users in whatever format they prefer to consume it, whether that's video, whether that's Twitter boxes. I don't think it's Twitter anymore, but you know what I mean. Xboxes. <laughs> Xboxes, yes. I wonder if they're going to have some kind of trademark issue there, Xboxes. Well, that's that's another conversation. <laughs> yeah, it is another conversation. Yes, so let's... Let's stop talking about keywords. Let's start talking about entities, relationships, attributes, and values. Great advice. Well, Leanne Summers is an SEO consultant, and you can find her over at theleannesummers.com. Leanne, thanks so much for adding your additional insight to SEO in 2023. Pleasure. Thank you for having me, David. I've been your host, David Bain, and you've been listening to SEO in 2023 Additional Insights a majestic series that complements the original SEO in 2023 podcast, video series, and book. Find out more over at seoin2023.com.
www.thepeopleshow.com. <laughs>